Let us continue in this um, teaching of Rav Nassim, the laws of thanksgiving, where Rav Nassim explains that in order to reach the climax of human perception, which I call the wow, when you really get it, when you really feel connected to Hashem and you really see His greatness, like we say, Yiskadav, Yiskadash, Meirabah, may Hashem's name be great. It's great in your mind. That perception specifically comes by being a human being and going through life's suffering. Unfortunately, a lot of that suffering has to do with self-imposed suffering. But nevertheless, it's a learning process. It's a process of going from being unconscious, self-centered, and expanding yourself and becoming that special human being that we all want to be. Part of that consciousness is recognizing that the whole setup was just that. Don't get upset. It was a setup. And it was to bring me to that ultimate goal of consciousness where I say, thank you, Hashem, for the whole thing. And Rav Nossin goes beyond Yaakov and Yosef, and he goes into the story of the exile. And Rav Nossin says clearly that exile is when a person loses the clarity, when a person loses the connection. Things get dark. That's the death of Yaakov. As long as Yaakov was alive, you could be in redemption even in the midst of being in Mitzrayim. But as soon as Yaakov passes away, the exile begins. The Arizal explains that the dark forces of the world are part of God's plan. They can't exist without the energy of light and consciousness. They swallow up, so to speak, the joy of the Jew. <laughs> and they replace it with depression, and that's where we're left with. And it's our job to go into the four corners of the world, into the darkness, and steal back our joy to transform darkness and turn it into light, to transform depression and turn it into joy. That's the v'nahafochu, to hofech, to transform, to exchange. Rav Nossin focuses on the conversation that happened at the burning bush between Hashem and Moshe that lasted, incidentally, seven days. And it was literally a back-and-forth argument that went on and on and on until Hashem finally got angry. And Moshe the whole time was saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't redeem the Jewish people. What exactly is Moshe's doubts on his ability to do his God-given mission? After all, Hashem is talking to him and telling him, this is what I want you to do. What exactly is Hashem saying, and why can't Moshe undertake that task? And finally, what is it that Hashem says to him that changes his mind? So before we go into the details of what Rav Nassim says, let's just talk a little bit about the persona of Moshe, because I think it's very important to understand in context to what Rav Nassim's talking about. And the first thing that we see that when Moshe's born is when they see him, they see that he's good. The whole house is lit up with light. And one of the concepts of his goodness is that he was born without a foreskin. And that foreskin is a covering of the soul. 
And that foreskin needs to be removed. That's a lifelong process of removing the foreskin that begins at the eighth day after birth and continues throughout life, having the foreskin removed from our hearts. We will see, Reb Nelson talks about this idea, that every soul comes to the world with a kind of foreskin. We call that the ego. Moshe had a head start. He was born without a foreskin. Some people in the world have a head start. And we see this clearly, that the first scene of young Moshe, it says he grew and he went out to his brethren who were being subjugated. He saw their suffering. Just want to remind you the idea that we said about the brothers of Yosef. They said this amazing line, we are guilty. We saw our brother suffering. We heard his cries and we didn't want to listen to him. And therefore we are suffering. When a person because of his self-centeredness, is not able to see other people's suffering, that creates a life of suffering. Moshe, by nature, went out to his brothers. He was an expansive personality. He was a person that wanted to bring to the, the world peace, justice. And in fact, he killed the Egyptian. And then the next day he goes out and he sees two Jews fighting. Who are these two Jews? They're identified in Rashi as being Dasam Vaviron. Anytime that it says Nitzim or Nitzavim, which means standing in opposition, it's these two antagonists, Dasam Vaviron. Moshe says to them, Russia, you evil one, Lama Takera Echo, why are you going to hit your friend? Rashi says, Your friend, Russia Kemocha, you're both evil. Now, it's a very interesting thing going on here. How does Moshe know that he's not another Moshe? After all, they accuse him. They say to Moshe, who put you as a judge over us? How does Moshe discern that both of these people are evil? Maybe one of them is right and the other one's wrong, and maybe he's just exercising his power of justice? It's a very interesting question. And then when Moshe hears these words, Moshe gets afraid. And he says, ah, now it's known. And the simple meaning is it's afraid because now it's known that I killed the Egyptian. But Rashi brings a much more profound, deep explanation. And that is, I've been wondering why these Jewish people of all the 70 nations has been subjugated. But now I know. He knows two people are evil. And even we don't even know how he knows that they're evil. How does Moshe know from this incident why the Jewish people are in exile? This is a great secret here. And this is the secret of what Rav Nassim wants to talk about in his masterpiece, The Laws of Thanksgiving. And the secret lie in the word used to hit. Rashi brings that even if your hand is just raised and it doesn't actually hit somebody, you're still considered to be wicked. This person has his hand up in the air. And these people are antagonists of Moshe throughout his life. We call them the opposition. And the verb tense used here is the future tense. It means why are you perpetually holding up your hand, threatening to hit no matter what I do? The opposition doesn't care what you do, they're opposed to you. What's the real difference between a true judge and Dustin Vaviron? Moshe has clarity. Moshe has the ability to put his hand down and say, 
This is the law. This is justice. This person is being subjugated by another person illegitimately. He's using his power to subjugate a person. I am here to stand up for the downtrodden. Moshe's not doing this because of ego, and he's not doing this because of opposition. He's doing it because he's good. He's doing this because he knows the character trait of justice. On the other hand, Dustin and Vagrin are not just two individuals. They represent the headspace of exile. This is what Rav Nassim is talking about, that exile equals depression, because this is the depressed way to live. These people are historically two people, but they're much more than just two people. They actually represent the headspace of the Jewish people in exile. It's a dysfunctional way of thinking. You think one thing one minute, and the next second you think the opposite. This is what holds a person back from inner peace. This is what holds people back from true freedom. Our exile today is very much the exile. Then the Zohar says clearly, and Reb Nassim talks about this, the Zohar says the avoid of kosher, the difficult work was kushios, questions in the head. They didn't just subjugate us physically, they used the mind. They overworked us, but they played with our head. These two people, Dasan Vaviron, represent this way of thinking. And therefore, when Moshe says, now I know, he meant exactly that. Now I understand what we're dealing with. And this is what Reb Nassim says was Moshe's inability to take on the job. Moshe understood that not only was he fighting another government, not only was he fighting Paro, the snake, I'll just give you a hint of what we'll talk about next time, but he was fighting inside his own people. And you see this over and over again. Moshe says, if the people won't listen to me, how is Paro going to listen to me? Because the people were stuck. They were stuck in the head of Gullus. And this also, this is a reflection of the brother's inability to receive from Yosef. As soon as Yaakov passed away, their clarity went away. They couldn't get it from Yosef, and they went into the headspace of exile, the depression, and the depression comes from a lack of clarity. Now, what was the game changer? What was the point that got Moshe to go on his godly mission? Says Rabbi Nossin, the game changer, was one person. Reb Nossin explains that when a soul comes to the world, a soul is a chelik elokai ma'al, a portion of God. And that portion of God has a natural joy, a natural connection with the Creator. That's the joy of Yaakov. That's the joy of simplicity, the joy of life. Unfortunately, everyone come to the world with a protective layer called a klipa, just like a fruit has a shell covering, so too each soul has a covering. That's our ego. And you want to know something? It's very important to understand that the ego is a necessity. It's a protection. It's part of our survival mechanism. And there are certain individuals like Moshe that were born with a very, very small klipa, and they rectified it, and they became expansive people. They became people who were able to give to the world instead of be self-centered. 
and it's specifically the people who come to the world with a very large ego, and they add to it to the point where they can't deal with other people's likes and dislikes. Your likes are a front to who I am, and they're always in the opposition. They're difficult people, and especially if you're dealing here with a large group of those type of people, especially when a whole nation falls into that dark state, that is the root of our depression. That's what we call exile. And therefore, throughout this discourse, Rabbi Nelson explains to us the most important thing is to recognize that our free choice is what are you going to do with yourself? Are you going to wake up in the morning and focus on the joy, or are you going to let the difficulties of life pull you down and become depressed and add to the suffering of the world? Aaron was unique. Despite the fact that Aaron was older than Moshe, and he was the leader of the Jewish people, when Hashem informed him that Moshe was coming for this job, he was happy in his heart. And Rav Nelson says an amazing thing that parallels the story of Yosef and Yaakov, is that the meeting of these two souls was what he calls Hagadolos Simchas Yisrael, the amplification of the Jewish joy. And he says that this is the secret of the blessing, thank you for Hashem for establishing us and keeping us alive when we see a friend of ours that we're happy to see. Because the meeting of two people is much more than one plus one equals two. One soul meeting another soul in peace and in joy equals the redemption. We have to learn from this story. We have to learn how to be like Moshe and Aaron. We have to recognize that a lot of our problems are because we're stuck in a survival mode. This is very practical advice. Our external cover called the klipa, which is called the ego, which is acronym EDGE GOT OUT, is really nothing more than a survival mechanism that every cell of our body has. Every organism wants to preserve itself. It's a natural process. There are truths that we hold as truths that are nothing more than dysfunctional modes of survival that are not serving us. Let us get out of the headspace of Dustin Vaviron, the headspace of exile, and move to the simplicity of the Chedek Elukai Ma'al, the portion of God, our soul, the true joy, the joy of being alive, the joy of freedom, the joy of connecting with other people, the joy of fe- feeling one with the universe. And hopefully, through the joining of people like that, we'll merit to the redemption speedily in our days. Amen.